Do you have a story to tell? Here at Rider on the Road, it's the journey that matters. Regardless of where you are on your riding journey, Rider on the Road will inspire you to take your dreams and make them happen. So sit back and enjoy the show as Melinda brings you guests who know what it's like to go it alone and who are willing to reach out to the rest of us by sharing their stories. Authors, publishers, entrepreneurs, people at all stages of the riding journey, just like you and me. It's time, dear listeners, to answer the question for yourselves. Do you have a story to tell? Welcome to episode 64 of Writer on the Road. Before we start, I'd like to thank everybody for their patience for listening to me as I've croaked my way through the last few weeks. Uh, A couple of pre-recorded interviews, you're still going to hear that croaky voice, but we're on school holidays now and I'm taking two weeks of R&R. We're off to Ballina to run a couple of workshops down there and I'm hoping to walk on the beach and try and clear this head cold once and for all. Today we've got the beautiful Steph Bow, a local Queensland author, uh, with us and she'll be telling us how to make a successful writing life, uh, writing young adult fiction. Steph's launching her book tonight at Avid Reader here in West End in Brisbane and Sam and I got the privilege of going along and listening to her launch that book. Uh, Steph makes her living full time out of writing which is pretty exciting. Steph's 23, she's been writing for a few years now. I think she wrote her first book when she was about 13 or 14. This is her third young adult fiction. So if you're interested in writing young adult fiction, uh, Don't forget to listen in and see how Steph does it. Uh, She's very generous with her advice and very generous with her help to other authors. Uh, Before we start our interview today, I just wanted to talk about a couple of housekeeping things that I'm always supposed to do and never get around to doing, so bear with me. Um, First of all, I've got lots of books coming my way from... Pan Macmillan to give away to my listeners. So I've been having a bit of a think and trying to work out how I'm doing this. If you're interested in getting your hands on a free book from one of our great Australian authors, sign up to my newsletter and in the next couple of days I'll be putting up how I'm going to distribute those books. I'm not quite sure yet. I don't want to make it too difficult. Uh, The fact that they're coming in is fantastic. It means that people are starting to recognise what we're doing here at Writer on the Road and to be able to give you guys something back for for listening to me for 64 episodes now is, is something that I'm really excited about. The other thing I want to talk to you about is I've got a new section that I want to run on the podcast and I want to call it five books in five minutes where I very quickly go through uh, a list of five authors uh, who've got books coming out or who've got books they want to tell us about or share with us. Now I'm thinking about putting a small fee on for this but at the moment it's going to be free because I haven't worked out how to charge for it yet. So if you're interested in having your book promoted or you want to talk about your writing five books in five minutes uh, drop me a line at melinda at tropicalwriting.com.au I'm not sure how it'll evolve but I think it's really important that we showcase our work here in Oz and the podcast is a fantastic way of doing it so melinda at tropicalwriting.com.au the other thing that I'll be doing is focusing more strongly or more heavily on writing and publishing and the opportunities that are around for both indie publishers and traditionally published writers, I guess. Uh, So I'll be tapping into a few of, uh, I guess, the contacts that I've got in the publishing industry and seeing what I can come up with. Um, We've got our beautiful Joanne Dannon's going to come on because she's one of our success stories here in Oz about um, and how she's travelling with her indie publishing. So she'll be on probably next week. 
Uh, I was going to do an audio book launch and we were going to have our narration services up and running, but unfortunately I ran into a little bit of trouble with my narrator. Uh, so that's about on the back burner for now, but hopefully I'll have that up and running soon, as soon as I can find a narrator that that I'm confident uh, in the quality of their work. So I'm hunting and I'll, I'll get back to you on that one shortly. Uh, Story Slingers, my teenage a uh, group of young writers are doing really, really well. We've got an essay writing course coming up. So if you've got any young writers who are interested in that, please feel free to, to make contact with us at Writer on the Road. And I think that's all for my housekeeping stuff this morning. One more thing, uh, iTunes reviews, I keep asking for them. They're dribbling in very slowly. Um, I read a statistic this morning that 33% of people at the moment are listening to podcasts, um, but most people still don't know what a podcast is. So there's plenty of room for growth. Uh, here at Rider on the Road, we are growing quite quickly, which is pretty amazing because it's really only word of mouth. I haven't learned how to do Facebook ads yet, although I am getting there slowly. I'm doing our Take 10 social media course and I'll be blogging about that. And then I'll be starting to, to carry on with some Facebook ads and see if I can get word out far and wide. But in the meantime, we're, we're certainly growing. We're growing by the hundreds. We're not growing by the thousands and we're not growing by the hundreds of thousands, but we're certainly getting up there. Uh, coming up, I've got the beautiful Rachel Johns telling us about her festival happening over there in WA. And then we've got the Romance Writers Conference happening here later in the year. So for today, uh, sit back, listen to Steph. She's a beautiful, beautiful young woman. And when I grow up, I want to be just like her. And it's welcome to another episode of Writer on the Road. Today with me, I have got someone that I've been looking forward to meeting for a very long time. Um, my daughter, Samantha, as you know, I prattle on about her all the time. Sam actually has worked with my guest uh, more often than I have, knows her better. And I hate to admit it, but she's far closer to her age. Um, I'd like to welcome today uh, Steph Bow. How are you, Steph? I'm good, thanks. Melinda, how are you? I'm good, thank you. Now, having Steph on board today is something that I've been really looking forward to. This woman is so talented and has been talented for a very long time, from what I can gather. Steph, you wrote your first book when you were 13 or 14. Yeah, I wrote my first novels when I was 14, and then the first novel that I had published, I wrote at 15 and was published when I was 16. Yeah, so this girl is um, a girl after my own heart, and she's certainly a girl after my students' hearts. So I've got students madly writing away inside our online novel writing course, and they are just enamoured with you, Steph. So they'll be very excited to have you on board. But the other reason, everyone, I've got, I've got Steph here today is because she writes young adult fiction, and I know a lot of you out there are very very interested in that market because it's a growing market, isn't it, Steph? Yeah, it absolutely is. It's incredibly popular and a lot of adults read it as well. Yeah, and I've got to tell you, uh, Steph has a new book coming out and it's coming out in any day now and I'm hoping to get this podcast out in time for that and it's called Night Swimming and I'm really excited about this on a number of levels and I'll talk to you about my ideas for this book sooner or later in this podcast but for right now, Steph, do you want to tell us a little bit about Night Swimming? Uh, yes, I'd love to. Night Swimming is basically about a girl called Kirby who lives in small town Australia and she lives on a goat farm with her mum and her grandfather and her best friend works in a Chinese restaurant. And it's basically about 
everything in her life changing at once. Uh, a beautiful new girl comes to town. She finds out where her long lost father is. Uh, and she also finds out her grandfather has dementia. So it's her, her life basically totally changes. And there's also a lot of, you know, humorous fun things because there's a goat that's a main character. Yeah, and the and the blurb on the front of the book is um, a funny, diverse story about family love, musicals, crop, something or others, and goats. Crop circles, yep. Crop circles and goats. And I, as soon as I read that, I thought, I've got to read this book. <laughs> uh, so it, it's very interesting. But the thing that interests me the most is writing for young adults. We all think we can do it, but there's a certain voice that you've got to have when you write. You can't fool young people. They're the hardest critics of all, aren't they? Yeah, I I think for me it was easier because when I started I was 15, so I sort of had that immediacy of actually being a teenager and being able to relate to it and I've sort of hopefully been able to carry that through into being an adult. I think the main thing is not to talk down to teenagers. It's just about, you know, treating teenage readers as you would treat adult readers, like with respect and, you know, not being condescending to them if that makes sense yeah and look I teach these young kids all the time and half of them are smarter than me um, yeah. and they certainly keep me in line Steph you've got no idea yeah. but they don't they don't like contrived things now I notice yeah. you write realistic fiction yeah yeah and the stories that you write about I guess any young person could imagine themselves in that situation yeah, well, for me, I always try to write from a sort of a core emotional place that anyone can relate to, that I can relate to so I can write it. But then the events can be a little bit more fantastical. Like my second book, All This Could End, is about a girl who robs banks with her family. And though most young people obviously don't rob banks with their family, I hope, um, I could relate and hopefully young people can relate to, you know, being loyal to family as well as, you know, getting older and realising your parents maybe aren't perfect. Um, hopefully not so extreme as them being bank robbers. But, yeah, that sort of core emotional element I think is the really important bit. Yeah, and with the most fantastic of plot lines, it's still got to be based in that core sense of this could really happen and I could yeah. really be that person. Yeah, and it has to make sense that people behave the way that they behave, yeah. Yeah, so all your writing life, um, sorry, all your life you've been a writer. Yes, yeah, I... I have written since I was really tiny, like before I could actually, you know, write words. I was just sort of just typing gibberish on the computer. Uh, and then from when I was about seven, I really, really desperately wanted to become an author. That was my big goal. Yeah. And how many of us have said that, everyone? When I grow up, I want to be a writer. Well, I've hit, <laughs> I've hit 55 going on 56 and I'm still saying it. And here's this beautiful young woman um, having achieved it already. Steph, uh, this is a bit of a personal question and you don't have to answer in detail, um, but your income all comes from your writing? Yeah, yeah. The only work that I've I've ever done has been as a writer because I started when I was 15, 16. So I do um, writing and festival visits and um, running workshops and things like that, yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, my daughter, um, Sam, came down from Townsville and I think it was a five-day writing workshop through the Queensland yeah. Writers' Centre. Now, you would have almost been as young as her then. We were talking before the interview started. You must be very confident. Uh, I think that I've sort of developed confidence as I've gone along. So I was very, very shy and very nervous when I had my 
first book published and when I was doing my sort of first workshops and things like that. And then as I've gone along and got more practice, I've gone, well, I've done this before. I can do this and had more confidence in my abilities. But I think there's always that underlying anxiety of, of you know, what if I give a really bad talk or what if I, I'm actually a terrible writer when you have that those moments of self-doubt? I don't think that ever quite goes away. Yeah. And yeah. this book that's coming out, you're about to embark on, I'm guessing, a rather large book tour because I'm, I've booked in to see you, Sam, and I've booked in to see you awesome. here in Brisbane at um, Where the Wild Things Are, and I'll, I'll reference that in the, the show notes, everyone, but it's on the 4th of April, and that's the official book launch, is it? Yes, that's my, and that's the first book launch I've, I've ever had. This is my third book, but the first time I've had a book launch, so I'm a bit nervous. But I'm looking forward to it, yeah. Uh, look, as long as you've got a glass of champagne for me and a glass <laughs> of water for Sam, we'll be fine. Um, and then you're off to Melbourne. Yeah, and then I've got a, a launch in Melbourne on uh, on April 20, which I'm looking forward to. And I'm also going to have um, a bit of a, a trip down to Sydney and visit some bookshops there as well. Yeah. Now, Steph, you've got text publishing behind you. They're one of the more, I guess they're the maybe the best known here in Australia. Um, they're looking after you. Yeah, they're fantastic. I've been with them since my first book and I've had the same editor since my first book. So I've been working with her for like seven years now on and off, which is really good to sort of have that have that relationship and, and have been able to have stayed with the same publisher, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to take a little sidetrack here, everybody, because I can't resist. Um, you say you've been working with an editor. Now, a lot of us here on um, who listen, you know, Rider on the Road, a lot of us are indie publishers yeah. and that whole editing process. Now, you've, you're on to your third book. You're obviously very, very good at what you do. Do you find that you still have um, changes to make and rewrites to do uh, once your editor's got hold of your manuscript? Yes, absolutely. I think the the wonderful thing about working with an editor is that she's able to see all of the things that I can't see because I'm so close to the work. Uh, so there's lots of things that she'll pick up on that won't even occur to me because she's so thorough. Uh, and I think there's always also, it's helpful to have that element of being able to further develop ideas, like she'll find sort of a kernel of something there and she'll go that'd be really good if you develop that further so it's not just taking things away it's also adding things um, and obviously she's got years and years of experience of, of working as an editor and, and getting books ready for publication and those are insights that I'm not necessarily going to have and sort of beta readers and other people who have given me feedback aren't necessarily going to have so it's really I found it really useful for developing as a writer yeah, and that's the same, everybody, um, developing as a writer, getting getting uh, fresh eyes onto your manuscript. doesn't matter whether you're with text publishing, Pan Macmillan, or doing it ourselves. Paying for that outside expertise can only make your book stronger. Uh, Steph, cover, the de cover design. It's a beautiful cover. Thank you. Yeah, it's lovely. Um, text have their in-house cover designer, and she's done an absolutely amazing job on it. Uh, yeah, I love it. Yeah. I went to pre-buy this thing last night, everybody, and here's the downside of being with a traditional publisher. It was going to cost me, what, 13 or 14 bucks just to buy the e-book. Um, so I think I'll wait and get the paper book and I'll get it signed um, at your launch um, awesome. in the next few weeks. Yeah. Um, are you finding that um, with sales and things, are you finding that people are put off by those higher e-book prices or do you not have much to do with that part of it? I don't have a great deal to do with that part of it. I think most of uh, my sales and I think most of the sales in young adult fiction in general uh, in 
traditional publishing tend to be from paper books. I think e-books um, tend to be a lot more popular, for instance, if you're writing um, romance and other adult commercial genres, if that makes sense. I think that uh, obviously it's a growing sector of the market but for me it's it's mostly uh, physical books sold yeah yeah and that's an interesting that's an interesting conversation we could have all on its own isn't it Steph Mm. Uh, whether young people I've got some little middle grade things out there and a little box set and I haven't done much with it online because I've been told exactly what you just said that you know the kids don't read with their e-readers yet um so of course i've been doing a little bit of experimenting at school with that i read at the start or i might kids read for 10 minutes at the start of every lesson every day and i've been giving them permission they don't have to have a physical book they can use their phones or their ipads um and i reckon i've probably got 80 percent of my kids now use a device wow great Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, th- I th- found that was really interesting because that bodes yeah. well for all of us and all, all you know, all our e-books. Yeah. Um, but the funny thing is a lot of teachers won't allow those devices in the classroom. Yeah. So that could be one of the reasons that, you know, our online books are being held back. It's, it's all teachers' faults, everybody. You know what they say about <laughs> English teachers? <laughs> um, because there's still that, I guess, that little bit of lack of trust that kids are going to do the right thing. Um, mm. But if they're reading a good book, they do tend to do the right thing. Um, school visits and all that kind of stuff. I guess as a young adult author, you've really got to get yourself out there. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing school visits sort of quite a bit over the last sort of seven or eight years and that's a a big part of my work and one of the most enjoyable parts of the work as well because it's really incredibly awesome to be able to just work with young writers and brainstorm ideas with them and hear all of the awesome things that they come up with. It's really inspiring and reminds you why you write and, and who you're writing for and, yeah, I really enjoy that. Yeah, and I think everyone being able to get out there among your clientele um, and get that immediate feedback because kids don't pull any punches. They mm. see you and they don't, as you said, they don't they don't muck around. I had my first experience, and I think it was with a friend of yours, Steph, uh, Lily Wilkinson. Yep, I love Lily. She's yeah. awesome. She's great a great writer. Yeah, and she's a great young adult writer as well. Yeah. Um, I met her, I was working at a private girls' school in Townsville, and Lily came in and she had the auditor- auditorium of girls just looking at her. And I reckon <laughs> within about five minutes, she had the meeting out of her hand. Yeah. Um, because it's that relationship thing, isn't it? You guys are young, you're personable, you can talk the language of the kids. Yeah. Are you finding that kids really, really relate um, to you because of your age? I think that there is an element of that and I think that was particularly true when I was an actual teenager myself and I was sometimes the same age as the students I was talking to. Uh, but I think in general now I'm an, an older person and having also seen a lot of, of older people, uh, older writers who run workshops or, or give talks in schools, I think as long as you're, you know, not, not talking down to them, you know, relating to them and, uh, you know, sort of making it a more social thing rather than a more teacher lecturery thing, uh, that's not a word, but okay, uh, I think that it doesn't really matter how old someone is. Like, for instance, I mean, Andy Griffiths is the really obvious example. Like, Andy Griffiths is not super young himself, but having seen him present to young people, they absolutely love him uh, because he is, you know, 
presenting and, and not sort of talking down to them, basically just having fun. Yeah. And I think that's that's what's really appealing. You don't want to um, be, uh, you know, treating students as if they're as if they're just kids. You want to be treating them like people. Yeah, and it's really really funny because I hear that all the time. Uh, as a as a writer, I guess, guess is you know as long as you don't speak down to kids. But when mm. you're not used to working with kids like both you and I are, um, yeah. they can be daunting little devils, and and you know they have a bad media rap as, as a cohort, yeah. I guess. Uh, but really, all they want is something to happen. They want to be involved in the adventure, and yeah. I would suggest that they're actually very responsive to a good story. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think if you, if speaking of the whole media thing, I think if your only exposure to certain groups of society is through how they're portrayed in the media, then you would basically just be afraid of everybody because everybody's made out to be evil in the media. So I think when you actually go out there and actually are communicating with young people, you realise that they're not that bad. They're actually really, um, you know, imaginative and friendly and, you know, they they have big dreams and goals and things that they want to achieve. They're not all, you know, hoodlums that are going to steal your purse or whatever. Yeah, and they're <laughs> funny. I've, got to, I've yes. got to tell you, Steph, they make me laugh. There's not a day even when I'm going crook on them that I, I don't laugh at their antics because I've, yeah. I've seen it all before a thousand times um, and they think they're being clever but they're not. Um, <laughs> now, I noticed with your stories, um, I think you had an Auslit interview up and it said you start with your character and then yes. you build around that. Now, young adult novels, as far as I'm aware, they really need to be plot-driven. Is that, is that right or have I got, the, have I got it um, modelled up? I think it really depends on sort of the subgenre that you're working in. Obviously, things like uh, dystopian fiction and adventure fiction and those heavily plot-based genres do need to have that really strong central plot. But I think there's more and more uh, the rise of contemporary young adult fiction, so realistic young adult fiction, where it's not so much plot-based like there's plot there, but it is inherently about that that character and that character going on on some sort of journey, whether that's a coming of age journey or or something else around identity, and I think that that's really appealing to young people because they can relate to that. They can relate to going through the things that we go through as teenagers and the ups and downs of of teenage life and working out who you are and where you belong in the world. So, I think you always need strong character, and I think there's a lot of lot of genres where plot is really important. You really need that driving plot. But I think there's more and more that, that rise of, of contemporary YA and that really strongly uh, character-driven fiction, at least in my opinion. Obviously, I'm, I'm biased towards it because it's what I write and it's what I love to read, but that's what I think. Yeah, and um, I think it started um, for me with books like um, Looking for Ella Brandy yeah. and and stuff like that and Saving Francesca. Uh, yeah. And now we're, we've got you coming along with, with your beautiful story and you've got Kirby Arrow, Clancy Lee, and then in comes Iris. So yes. you're, again, it's a very contemporary novel and I work at an all-boys school and I'm, I'm told all the time that there are no such thing as um, taboo topics anymore. Your, yeah. your book touches on, I guess, relationships of both the male and female sexuality, but it's yeah. also that exploration and that identity. Um, I'm guessing it's very timely because I know we have uh, issues in schools where kids can't be themselves for yeah. bullying and all that kind of stuff, and especially with our boys. But the boys are a lot stronger now and they're happy to own their identity. Are you finding yeah. that that change is happening? 
I, I don't do a lot of work with um, boys in particular. I've, I do a lot of my um, workshops tend to be with co-ed groups and with girls. And I think as a, as a sort of a wider theme throughout schools with young people and with general society that we're moving in a direction where it's much more acceptable for people to be themselves and whether that's, um, you know, being non-hetero, different cultural identities, different um, religious backgrounds, I think we're, you know, becoming much more accepting of others and I know that that's sort of a, it's a long road that we're going down but I think it's going in a really positive direction and I, I, I see that reflected in schools and I think that kids feel much more comfortable um, being different than say if we were if we were you know taking a cross section of society twenty five years ago, but I don't work in schools as much as say a, a teacher would, um, so I'm not as sort of involved. So I'm I'm, I'm not I can't be a hundred percent confident that that's you know the way we're going. Yeah, yeah. but it's all, it's also interesting that you're tapping into kids and identity and who they are because that's at the core of growing up and it always has been and right when I was back in the country you know when I was 17 a million years ago um, kids have to face the same demons they have to face the same self-doubt the same fears all those kinds of things you've tapped right into that with this new book haven't you yeah yeah I was I was really um, thinking a lot about um, sort of those rural Australian stories which I think there's a lot of them out there, but in the past they've had a, a very sort of homogenous focus. And I think, you know, I've, I've been sort of reading a lot more and paying a lot more attention to movements like um, We Need Diverse Books and thinking about, you know, writing characters that actually represent Australian young people. So you're not necessarily going to have everyone in, in, a, in a given town is going to be straight and white and, and that sort of generic character that, you, that dominated young adult fiction in the past. So I've I've really been writing those, um, looking at those other identities and and actually sort of trying to represent the true diversity of young people and hopefully uh, represent that in a in a you know responsible and, and empathetic and uh, you know engaging and interesting way. Yeah, yeah. And it, look, it's really really interesting, Steph, and it's really really interesting, everybody. I have this conversation in my own house every day because, as you all know, I have my beautiful daughter Samantha coming along behind me, who is tending to push every boundary button that she can intellectually. So she's exploring all these ideas of what it is to be heterosexual and what it is not to be heterosexual, and then she's going back and reading all the theories behind it. And I'm going, you know, some of these feminists have got a lot to answer for because my <laughs> my own daughter, every time I open my mouth, no, she goes, oh, mummy, that's so hetero. And I'm going, oh, <laughs> gosh, I said, is it? I said, well, I grew up in the country and I don't approve and I don't care what you do, but you've got to keep it private. And she goes, mummy. That's not the way it works nowadays and I, <laughs> I don't want to grow up, Steph. And now suddenly along comes your book and it's on exactly the same subject and I laughed and I thought I cannot hide from this anymore. Um, but it also puts me as a writer and for everyone that's listening out there, we have to think about what we're writing and how we're writing it and are we in touch with what's really going on out there. Now, Steph, you obviously are. Um, in, And I'm not just talking about, you know, the, the main or one of the main plot lines there but about that angsty teenager thing where it's okay to explore things and put it on the page yeah absolutely and I think that um, there's more and more of of the realistic teenage experience being explored in fiction because we're sort of not 
shying away. As you said before, there's not many topics that are really taboo anymore. So you've really got that space to explore so many different issues and hopefully be um, producing young adult fiction that's going to strike a nerve with young people and, and, you know, allow them to be able to sort of explore those themes in a sort of a safe environment of a, of a novel. Yeah. And mm. now writing advice, talking about, talking to my listeners. Steph, what would you say to anyone out there listening who wants to write young adult fiction right now? I would say number one thing is just to start writing. I think that the only way you can get better at writing or become good at writing is to write. And I think really focusing on the stories that are uniquely yours and the stories that you can write from your perspective. There's this great movement of own voices, which is basically about people who are diverse or, or um, you know, belong to a, a certain identity writing about their experiences. And I think it's really important that people not only get started writing, value their perspective and their unique stories because nobody else can tell them, um, can write them rather, uh, and also just to really focus on what they enjoy about it. Don't uh, get caught up with worrying about what's um, a trend in the industry or worrying about getting a book deal. Really focus on enjoying that process of writing, writing what you're, you're passionate about writing um, and not sort of looking too far ahead and thinking, how am I going to sell this or anything like that. If you write a book that you're really passionate about that only you can write and that you really enjoy writing, then you're in great stead for um, you know publishing that work and, and developing a career and then continuing to write after that. Yeah, and that's a really exciting part. And we know as indie authors that the market is so big out there. Mm. Um, but writing the best story, I've got some young um, of my, my young story slingers, Steph. We're about to uh, launch a story writing magazine where, where students can uh, showcase their work. And one of my students is writing an article for that and she's put it out among our Facebook group, uh, how do you start a story or how do you start a novel? And you've answered that question in, you know, you start to write about what you're passionate about and get writing it. Um, when With all of us, when we've got an idea happening or we want to write a story, where would you say is a good starting point? For me, I tend to have a really, really clear idea of my character and, and create a character profile. So I basically know as much as I can about my character and have a really clear idea of their voice and that sort of central driving narrative. Uh, and I also tend to then have clear ideas of particular scenes. So for me, in my experience, I can basically just start writing down every scene that occurs to me, writing down absolutely anything that might possibly end up in the finished book, and then uh, find a point from which to start. So I think that it's not necessarily, I mean, some people might write chronologically, but I don't think it's necessarily always easy or the right path to just go, okay, I'll start writing at the start. I think um, basically working out what are those really major scenes, the scenes you're excited to write in the story uh, and starting from there. And then as you write, you tend to generate more ideas and be able to figure out that structure and, and branch out from there. Yeah, and that's interesting, isn't it? Write the scenes that you're excited about and passionate about. It brings me straight, I've got to ask it, what's your favourite scene in, in your new novel? Oh, that's a really tricky question. Uh, there's, <laughs> there's a number that I, I really like. Um, I think oh, probably one of my favourites is one that I'm not going to tell you because I don't want to spoil the book for you because there's a little bit of a revelation. Uh 
but another favorite is probably just the the first um, the first scene where uh, the main character uh, Kirby meets the love interest Iris. I really like the the humor of her. Well, I hope it's humorous of uh, Kirby, who's with her friend Clancy in the restaurant opposite the restaurant where Iris is, and they're spying on Iris across the road. And it's just very silly and fun and sort of representative of all of the wacky adventures that then Clancy leads Kirby on throughout the book. Yeah. So, yeah, and then I've got other favourites, but I don't want to spoil the book for you. Yeah, well, everybody, it, it's not released till early April, and I, when I saw it last night that it was $13, I thought I'm not paying that, but two minutes with you, Steph, and I'm going to go and pay it. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> it's it's really exciting to to have character-driven novels again where, where I'm – Look, all my kids, they love all that adventure, fantasy, sci-fi stuff that we were talking about earlier, but I like relationship novels. Um, I was born in the country. I'm very keen to see your your country stories. Where's it set? It's set in a, a fictitious town called Alberton, which is in um, sort of southwestern rural-ish New South Wales. It's a it's a vague sort of fictitious area that I've I've plopped in there. Oh, gosh, I hate it. Now, I had this conversation with Jen McLeod, everybody, and I asked the question, why do you keep setting them in, in made-up places? And she said it's um, to protect herself in case she gets any facts wrong. <laughs> uh, but as a reader, I love to say, oh, I've been there and I've done that. Um, so mm. now I'll just have to go, oh, I've been to Dubbo and Cobar. Maybe it's somewhere around there. Yeah. I think that's the really fun thing about um, creating a fictitious place that's sort of within a real place is that you've sort of been to a town that's like it but you haven't been to that particular place so it's um you can sort of imagine it without being limited by an actual physical place in your mind as a reader and as a writer yeah see they're, they're, everybody's more sensible than me aren't they look Steph you're right but I, you know I can't resist now there's something that has been intriguing me um I've heard of beta readers but in um some of the material I was reading with you you had an alpha reader what on earth's an alpha reader oh I um I think that's basically the stage before a beta reader yeah <laughs> okay I, I, I can't remember I don't keep track of all the terminologies <laughs> I laughed. I thought, oh, okay, there's someone I never heard of. So I thought I'd check with you. And the other thing that I was really curious about, because um, to get to get one of these things is really quite difficult, I've heard. Um, you've got your own Wikipedia page. Oh, yes. I think it was written by someone whose first language is possibly not English, maybe Spanish, because it's not. it sort of seems like it was written by someone who's Spanish to me. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I, when I when I first saw Wikipedia pages, I thought everybody had one and anyone could have a Wikipedia page, but apparently there's rules and regulations and oh. you've actually got to be someone quite famous before you're allowed to have a Wikipedia oh, page. Right. I must be special then. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Oh, so you can't shed any light on that? You didn't have to do anything no, to get this no, page? No, I, I didn't. I didn't set it. It just appeared one day like magic. Oh, okay. Maybe yeah. it was text publishing or someone who got behind it. I'm going to find out, everybody, um, how to get your own Wikipedia page because I remember yeah. I looked into it and I thought, oh, you've got to be famous. I can't have one. Yeah. And here is my 23-year-old friend and she's got her own Wikipedia page already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, we're running out of time, everybody, but I do want to know what's next for Steph Bow. Oh, I'm working on a fourth novel at the moment, so too early to say in particular what it's about, but another another young adult novel, which I'm very excited about writing and also really excited about Night Swimming coming out and being able to share it with the world. Yeah. yeah. Now, Steph just had her 23rd birthday party. I saw her birthday cake on Facebook and you went <laughs> up to New Guinea. Um, so are you, setting, are you setting your new book in New Guinea? 
not the one that I'm writing now, but now you've suggested that, I really I really feel like I should write something set in, in New Guinea now that I've visited. It's an absolutely beautiful place, but um, I, I think I'll probably have to organise another trip there and, and get to know it better and also claim that on tax before I write another novel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're the advantages of being a full-time writer, everybody. <laughs> Everything comes down and um, is a tax deduction. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've got to tell you, Steph, we were in West End the other day and we're making, we're not making millions, but we're making a little bit of money with our writing workshops and things. And I said to my youngest daughter, we can go out to lunch every week now and we can call it a tax deduction because we're having <laughs> a business meeting. Of course. Yeah, so there's, there's lots of benefits. Um, all right, if you'd like to tell us where to find you, where what we've got to do to get to your book launches, and thirdly, how we get our hands on your books. Oh, all right. So my book launches are at Where the Wild Things Are in Brisbane on April 4 and at Readings Kids in Carlton uh, in Melbourne on April 20. Uh, you can find me online at stephbow.com or on Twitter as at stephbow or on Facebook or on, you know, all of those things. Uh, and my book's available, obviously, through my publisher's website, Text Publishing, through all bookseller websites, Dimmicks, et cetera, uh, and hopefully in bookstores after April 3. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody, I'll, I'll tell you all about the book launch um, because I, since I've been in the city, I've been intending to go to these things. I thought, oh, there'll be stuff on all the time and we'll go. But life gets in the way and you don't go to these things. Um, but because it's Steph and because she's Sam's friend, we'll be along on that one and hopefully we'll have some photographs because you've always got to get photographs of the authors yeah. um, and signatures and all that kind of stuff. I think it's a celebration. I think this podcast today, everyone, is a celebration of being an author because that's what you do so very, very well, don't you, Steph? You say, this is who I am, this is what I do, and I'm really proud of it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's absolutely awesome, and I feel so uh, honoured to be able to, you know, do what I love and earn money from it, and it's, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure, basically, since I was 15 to be able to be sort of on this path and, and doing this for a living, yeah. Yeah, and when we all grow up, we want to be just like Steph, uh, <laughs> Stella Ambassador in schools, author of three novels or soon to be three novels with a fourth in the writing and a beautiful young woman to boot. Uh, thank you, Steph, and it's bye from Rider on the Road. <laughs>